Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. DTW, Revoid, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Wrestling Perspective Podcast. I'm Dennis Farrell. He's PD the Canadian Destroyer Williams. What's up? How's she going, eh? So I just got done watching like SummerSlam 90 something, right? And the way Vince, and we've talked about these in in the past, but the way Vince McMahon used to do that, it's Survivor Series. I just, I love that. Dude, he was a great commentator. I don't care what anybody says. Like he, he showed so much enthusiasm that that you don't see in professional wrestling now. Like he's almost like the closest I that was like him. And you know, he was a color guy though. Mm-hmm. Um, was Don West, and Don West like it didn't do play by play, but man, he was just like screaming all the time. But it it was like a enthusiasm. I love that. It made me excited watching as a fan. So I love Vince McMahon commentary. So we're pre-recording this in all fairness and openness, openness to our fans. You're listening to this on Thursday night. We did this on Monday. So we know that you guys know everything about Backlash, but we wanted to talk about it a little bit. And let me tell you something, Petey, and it really hit me last night when I was watching Backlash. I didn't plan on it. It didn't interest me. This was a, This was one of those... Passover pay-per-views where they're just trying to get on to the next phase of the superstar shakedown and finally move forward or progress in storylines. So there really wasn't anything in this that was going to move forward because it just felt like it was one of those stagnant pay-per-views that they're just they're just having a pay-per-view to have a pay-per-view. Yeah, I mean, and it hasn't always been like that. Like I remember the pay-per-view after WrestleMania. Uh, you know, probably, I don't know, 15 years ago or so, they used to be really good because it's like, okay, there's new storylines starting, there's new guys, all that kind of stuff. That one guy didn't win the belt at WrestleMania, but, oh, now he's winning it at this paper. It used to be good. Mm-hmm. And now it's like, okay, you know, this is, uh, it almost feels like a filler one uh, to get set up for, like, Money in the Bank or, or whatever big one's next, pretty much. Here's here's I sent out a tweet and this tweet kind of got a lot of traction and I was a little bit shocked. It seems like now, once WCW went away, WWE, WCW, or any other real wrestling promotions ceased. And I know it's budgetary doing the the, the specialized entrance ramps, the 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 specialized stage, you know, old Halloween Havocs and. All kinds mm-hmm. of stuff like that. Maybe you see that when they go over to the UK and they may have a couple double-decker buses up on the stage or something. But once the Monday Night Wars were over, that was a budgetary cut that that went away. Now, other than WrestleMania, every pay-per-view feels like a Raw or SmackDown 
just with a different color scheme. Yeah, they've they've cut out some stuff. I mean, sometimes you might, and I remember uh, back when they were doing the monthly pay per views in the Monday Night Wars. You know, WWE would be like, okay, uh, whatever the name of their pay per view was, there was some sort of like set design that was pretty like you were interested to see how what's their set what's their set design going to be. Which was really weird back then in those war days was they didn't have the the stage with the ramp that walked down. It was almost like the set was built on the ground level, and they just kind of walked out. There was no ramp, if you remember that. So I thought that was kind of cool, too, to see what they – but, like, now I know they have, like, for Money in the Bank, they'll have, like, you know, a dozen ladders lined up. That's about the extent of it. And they they don't even do pyro anymore, if you really look at it. Remember before Monday Night War Days and Nitro, you know, the show starts off, they – show the crowd with all the signs and all this pyros going off and stuff and people are cheering. They don't do any of that anymore. So um, I don't know if it's a budget thing or if they're like, oh, this is unnecessary. We don't need pyro. Um, you know, let's just keep it simple or whatever the case may be. We could do everything with a video nowadays. You know, the pyro, I they had some at uh, the Greatest Royal Rumble. Other than that, yeah, there was there just hasn't been. It seems like the bells and whistles are gone, and I'm okay with pyro. That should be a special attraction kind of thing. Although I feel like Brock had it a few times in this on this run, right? Um, maybe on those. Like I know in uh, well, you saw the Greatest Royal Rumble. I mean, they had pyro. You know, they they went to their helicopter cam or whatever they had. There was pyro going on outside and like on the roof of the stadium and all that kind of stuff. Um, but it seems like at WrestleMania they'll throw in some pyro too. Um, but I mean, he didn't. It, it's it's rare if somebody does get pyro. It's pretty rare nowadays. Here's the thing: they actually didn't have a helicopter. I think it was a guy named Eddie with a selfie stick. <laughs> That's a really long selfie stick. But... What what we use is uh, you you know what we use like. If you ever see some of our stuff that we film, like uh, back down story, right? Mm-hmm. Um, we were like, oh, where's it going to be? Is it going to be here? Is it going to be this city, this country, whatever? And, um, you know, when we're filming, uh, like outside of Ottawa and stuff, it was a drone. That's all we used, a drone. And we just kind of like, um, you know, like like sped up the, the speed of the tape or whatever the case may be. Um, so that's all it is, is a drone. So you can do all those kind of cool shots now with, with a drone. It's like really, you don't need a helicopter. It's really inexpensive. It, it, wasn't the, well, you went in uh, Impact when they were doing the ultimate deletion stuff, but that a lot of that was still shot with a drone too. Yeah, so that was uh, that was Jeremy Borash's deal. So um you know he has the drone and stuff so he can uh, do everything so with the ultimate deletion um he filmed all that stuff so all that 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 production and direction and maybe not direction but the production stuff that was him so they used him and for a lot of that stuff um but we have another guy now he's really really good at getting shots and he could do it really quick with his camera and we're like okay He's like, oh, yeah, I need a close-up here. And then he'll turn and be like, okay, one more close-up here, okay. Um, yep, okay, I got it all. And then you'll see the finished product, and you're like, how does he go through this? Like, he, he has a vision in his head of how he wants it to look, and he just films it like that and really quick, and it, it looks great. And I think Jeremy Borash is the same way. So some people – and I'm trying to get like that, you know? 
this is going to be a loaded question and okay. it might be tough to answer. Are, do you think Impact is better off without Jeremy Borash? Not that not that he was bad, but maybe either I don't want to use the word still, but got comfortable, or you know you know what you know, and then you stay into that little box. And it seems like you see a lot of different stuff now that he's gone. Um, yeah, that is a loaded question. That's good. I I would say there's pros and cons. Um, I would say. Well, he did do a lot in the company. I mean, he was producing stuff and then doing uh, the on-screen ring announcing, like when we had, uh, you know, title matches. Like, you know how they do the in-ring introductions. Um, he would do commentary, all that kind of stuff. He was like the go-to guy. It's like, yeah, Borash can do it. Um, but like you just said, like sometimes you're like, yeah, Borash, you know, film this. This is what we need, and he films it a certain way, and well, you just accept it. So maybe he knows his way how he likes to do things and then that's the final product but now you know that we don't have jeremy borash it's like okay maybe another guy could step up maybe his ideas are better maybe they're worse you know maybe his vision or how he directs things aren't as good but you know either way it gives us a chance to explore new options so it's like i would say it's a good thing and a bad thing Okay, that that's interesting. I might poke into that a little bit later down the road, but that that's a that's actually a very ride the fence kind of answer from PD Williams there. Just so you know. <laughs> well, I mean, because he did do a lot, and he did like the ultimate deletion thing. You know, I mean, they they pretty much when they did the the Hardy compound thing uh, for WWE it was almost like the exact same thing. So uh, you know, it was good. Enough that WWE wanted to do it too, um, so he had a lot of good things. But then again, you know how how can you grow if you're always doing the same thing over and over again? So and it's good to have other people have opportunities. Pretty much, they might have a better vision than anybody else. I mean, if you look at quarterbacks in the NFL, sometimes they're holding the backup quarterback back, and then once that guy retires or gets hurt or whatever, and that backup quarterback comes in, he's breaking records all over the place. So sometimes it's it's better when people leave. Let's be a dead horse here when we talk about Roman Reigns, which will roll us in the backlash here. Where we're not going to really break it down, but we'll talk a little bit about the highlights here from at least my point of view. Let's start with Roman Reigns because it's been a hot topic here. And I'm open with my like of Roman Reigns. I don't hate Roman Reigns. I, I put out a tweet. And full disclosure, the tweet said something along the lines, I think 70% of Roman Reigns' problem is, I'll blame you know, WWE creative, you know, the lack of change when he left the Shield, same music, same look, same moveset, nothing different, uh, match placement, especially on Backlash, where I don't think people would have had a problem with Roman versus Samoa Joe if it was the second, third, or fourth match on the card. Instead, it closed out the show, and they had the WWE Championship between AJ and Nakamura, what, second or third uh, towards the end. I think a lot of that stuff is making Roman Reigns look bad. I don't know if you turn him heel or if you keep him face, but I do know you need to make a change. And at this point, you need to make a drastic change because no matter how many promos he cuts about how the how the office is after him or Brock's the you know uh, Vince's guy, we know he's Vince's guy. I'm okay with it. I understand wrestling, but you have to do something now 
to counteract this. Would a hill turn do it? Well, they're booing them anyway, so it would fall right into place. I don't. I think creative is to blame for this whole mess. Oh man, there's there's so much to this. Um, well, first, just the the placement on the card. We'll start with that. Yeah, I'm looking at the card, and a lot of times that I don't know. WWE has so many people working for them, but I know, for example, like at Impact, we'll sit there, and then we'll say, "Okay, here's our potential." Pretty much Slammiversary card, which is in July, and we're gonna we we book towards that card. So they would do the same thing, right? Mm-hmm. Now we have the card, and and in front of us, and okay, we have let's say nine matches. Well, okay, then this match gets cut, or or well, let's add this match, or uh, this is working, whatever. So we, we pre- pretty much have the potential, like eight matches, whatever the case, whatever it's going to be. Now, what we didn't talk about is which match is going to go first, which match is going to go second, which is good. So that comes like later on of like the placement of them. So I don't know if they, like after WrestleMania, they sat down or even prior to, you know, they were like, okay, this is going to be our backlash card. Okay, great. Let's do that. Let's start booking towards that. And then when it comes time to actually, you know, uh, like probably the week before, like, you know, let's place the card. Let's time out the matches, all the segments, all that kind of stuff. Where's everything going to go? They were like, oh, crap. Well, we're going to have AJ and Nakamura. I mean, I don't know if they fell into this because they seem like they wouldn't because they have so many people that 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 are involved in this. But they were like, how are we going to put AJ and Nakamura last? for the title, which, which it should have been, but then have that double nut shot with a, a double, I guess, countdown or count out or whatever you want to call which, it. Like they couldn't make stupid, the 10 count, which was stupid by the way. Now they've turned a much weighted rivalry into a circus with all it is, is nut shots. Then excuse our language. If there are little kids watching, but at this point you need to know what a low blow nut shot is. It's turned into a crap show, Petey. I mean, really? AJ's supposed to be a face, and he's doing heel tactics. I get that there's, well, there's some irony because that's how he won the championship last year against with a low blow, and maybe he's you know going for the low blow to get the heel back. But that one step, punt the ball, kick, and they both do it at the same time. You got to be kidding me they're turning this amazing opportunity for a rivalry into a clown circus yeah i mean it i don't agree with how they're using you know nuts to tell a storyline i mean i don't know where they're going with this um but yeah i mean they could just go there hey guys have those like those matches remember when like cesaro and Sheamus, even though there were two guys I well, Cesaro I cared for, but Sheamus I didn't care for too much. They had that best of seven series, and I'm like, man, we're gonna have to watch seven matches from or yeah, best of seven. We're gonna, we're gonna have to watch seven matches from these guys. But they actually put on like I'm like, wow. Like they they, they exceeded my expectations. They actually put on and, and built some pretty decent matches, and it was just straight up brute force and wrestling. Like that's all they did. And so I don't know why they don't think that Nakamura and AJ can't do the same thing. So, no, I don't agree with, like, that finish. But then again, I don't know where they're going with all this. Like, obviously, there's going to have to be a rematch. And to my understanding, a no DQ is, like, oh, like there, there is no 10 count, right? 
That, that's what one would think. Really? A 10 yeah. count on a no disqualifications match? So I don't know if now they're going to have like a last man standing match where somebody has to make the 10 count, but then... I mean, I I don't know where they're going with that. Are but, we, are we, you know, to the... Can, can, can I put on, and I don't want to cut you off here, but I got to throw this in right now because this... This reeks Bret Hart versus Goldberg all over it. If you remember WCW when Bret Hart quit, he you know Goldberg went for the uh, spear. They both laid down for like ten minutes, and then Bret yep. Hart got up with the the steel plated the uh, vest thing. You, you re- yep. That, this is what's gonna absolutely. Happen. I remember that. Yeah. This is what's gonna happen is because someone's gonna go for a nut shot, or there's gonna be a double nut shot. They're both gonna lay down. And then all of a sudden, you know, AJ or Nakamura is just going to pop up and pull out a steel cup. <laughs> I mean, that, that that very well could happen. I'm surprised. Like, obviously, they're – I thought they were already going to write that in the storyline where they're wearing cups or whatever the case may be. Or It's coming. Uh, I don't know. I, I'm sorry, Pete. Maybe. But, but th- this is how bad it's gotten. Look, I don't hate – much of what WWE does. I appreciate the entertainment value of it. I get sometimes it's hard to manage storylines with injuries and people wanting to sit out and you got to do things on the fly. And maybe with today's fast-paced, you know, short attention span, you're just recycling stuff super quick and not everything's going to be a great storyline. But it just seems like when it's bad, it's bad, and we shouldn't have bad stuff like this in a company like that. Or and that's fine; they can have that bad stuff. I would just do it with two other wrestlers besides AJ and Nakamura, who can go out there and you know tear it down. Now, <laughs> when you're, I, I know like the nut shot, like when you look at just a regular match, you know we don't see it too much nowadays, but. You know, when the, when the heel takes the heat on the baby face in a match, they're doing stuff to him. Maybe there's a nut shot in there, or some sort of low blow, and maybe he's doing some things to him. But it's like a slower type of, uh, you know, monotonous or meticulous type of, you know, heat. And then when the baby face does his comeback, you know, back in the day, the baby face would do the exact same moves and things to the heel just faster. You know, like he would, and then it would end with like, say if it was a nut shot, the guy would end up, the heel would end up on the top rope straddling it. And then what would the, it, it was almost like the finish of uh, what what Big Cass did at the, the, the Greatest Royal Rumble. Somebody got crotched on the top rope and then he kind of like made him ride the top rope, like mm-hmm. hitting his nuts and then he flew outside. Th- that, that's a total baby face thing that they would do, like to, to, to pop the crowd and stuff like that. So I understand the you know given the heel the babyface given the heel a nut shot because he's getting back at him um but that's that stuff's almost dead nowadays like you don't see that in a babyface comeback anymore it's just like oh let me get my moves in that i usually get that are cool it has no rhyme or reason for what the heel just did to the babyface it, it doesn't happen anymore are you it's just we're not in that era are you trying to implement that into your uh, agent agency agenting? What? How do you even say that? What are you are you, as you agent? Are you agent agenting? I, I I guess agenting. I'm an agent to the match. I guess. Yes. Are you uh, uh, <laughs> are you trying to implement that 
when you were doing your agent job? Um, not so, not so much. Why? It's just because, like I said, that doesn't really, I mean, maybe it's something that should be brought back, but like, if you look at, okay. Well, you're in a position to. Yeah. And I'd love to do that. And I've done it like in matches, not recently, like with guys like Austin Aries and stuff who like that old school type thing, you know, like, Oh, I have a good idea for your own comeback. Cause usually when you put together a match, it's like this. Say if I'm the baby face and Dennis, you're the heel, right? Of course, I'm the heel. Of course, you would be the heel. You know, we might get together and then usually you as the heel or just us opposites, we wouldn't call each other's offensive maneuvers, right? It would be you would say something like, Petey, what do you want to do at the beginning? We might like, you know, come together and figure out something. But what do you want to do for your shine? You know, it's when I get up on the heel. And then I would say it, and then the, the heel would be like, okay, yeah, that sounds good, or whatever. You, you figure something out. And then for my comeback, okay, what do you want to do for your comeback? And then I would tell you my comeback. You wouldn't dictate what I do for my comeback or whatever the case may be. Um, so it's it's almost dead now because people are like, I just want to get my stuff in pretty much, which isn't really professional wrestling. But, I mean, that's what I guess people are cheering for nowadays, and that's what makes you – what the fans think are good because, oh, my, that guy's such an incredible athlete. But there's no storytelling involved in it. But that's why AJ is so good because AJ can do anything that all those athletic guys can do. It's just he takes his time. He puts it in the right place and makes it mean something. So, I mean, maybe we have to get back to that. I mean, it's just it's almost like it's almost like a dead art doing that. But I love it when I watch it and I'm like, wow, that guy's given, you know, given the heel back exactly what, you know, he took from him during the heat. Like, I, I love that stuff. No, I'm with you, but like I said, you're in the position. Go out and start trying to bring it back. Maybe it works, maybe it doesn't, but now you're not P.D. Williams on the podcast complaining about it. You're trying to do something about it. Yeah, it would be great. I mean, I I would hope that the fans would still be into that kind of stuff. I mean, and, and that's the thing. If you were to put a 1988 match in front of a crowd now, I mean, like, and you do it. You, you go back and you watch matches from the 80s, like, you know, WrestleMania 6, main event, Hulk Hogan versus Ultimate Warrior. Remember watching that at the time? You were like, man, that is the best match I've ever seen. But now you look back and you're like, wow, they really did nothing. I mean, they, they literally didn't do anything. It was like, like, to comp- like, compared to today's standards, but compared to the standards back then, they did everything. So it's just, it's a different time. And different era, and you don't know if fans are going to be into it anymore. They're just so much smarter. Well, go back and watch a Raw from you know the early Raw's war, war or the, oh yeah, or the main event. Those shows are structured around interviews, and I guess you would say squash matches. That's all those shows were. Yeah, and I mean they would save like the big big matches for. You know, the pay-per-views or whatever the case may be. That's back when you can build for like four months an angle or even longer. I mean, I still wish we lived in those days because, I mean, that's that's when I think everybody really liked wrestling. But the, the way Impact's television schedule is, I think that's prime for old-school storytelling. Yeah, and I remember – now, a little sidebar topic. 
Um, and I think you were with me up in Bay City. Remember when we saw the Brooklyn Dollar? Yes. Were you there with me? I was. Yes. So he, he came up with me. He said he's going to have this new local TV show or whatever the case may be. A wrestling show, right? What channel was that on? And he was, I, I have no idea. I don't even know if it's happening or yeah. has happened or whatever. But, um, I'm throwing you know, shade he, at he the came, baller for no reason. <laughs> um, so he came with me. He's like, yeah, you know, I, I want you as you know, one of the guys in my show, whatever, whatever. And it's, he said how he pitched it. He's like, it's going to be old school. Like, say if you're, like, uh, one of our top baby faces, you know, we'll, we'll set you up, like, every week, you know, you have a squash match, we'll, we'll call it, where we're really showcasing you and then build you up until, you know, your, your big feud. And that's, that's just what they did back in the days when you watch, like, superstars on Saturday morning and all that kind of stuff. Um, so, and I'm, like, I love that stuff. I love when they used to do that stuff. It's just that, look at it nowadays. Like, you have, like, the guys, like the bludgeon brothers, you know, you put them on TV and then they do a squash match or two and then they give them an actual match. But you can tell that people really aren't into the squash match. They're like, okay, those are their moves. Okay. This is just getting set up for something down the road. It's just, it's, it's tougher nowadays is what I'm saying. I wish we could go back to that, but it's, it's pretty tough. I, I'm getting to the point now with the podcast and now, now that I'm a glorified manager, I don't want to brag or anything. Haven't done it yet, but you know, <laughs> uh, I'm not letting it go to the top of my head. But I want to be a booker somewhere. Like part of me wants to reach out to like Clash or XICW. Or probably not XICW. That doesn't seem like that would be conducive to a guy who's trying to learn how to book. But I want to. I feel like you've taught me enough to walk into one of those situations and put together a decent show. The popcorn match, the opener, the ladies match, the bathroom break, that kind of stuff. Yeah, and I mean that's booking an indie show. Booking an indie show is relatively easy. But like even when I was sitting in the room at the the Impact um, tapings going over rewrites and all that kind of stuff. And there's just so much you have to take into consideration – how you structure, like, you know, just where, where segments are on the show. You can't have uh, certain segments follow each other because it's too heavy or, like, it's it just it's, it's a lot to know. And I'm still, like, obviously I'm still learning and stuff. Um, but it, it's it's a lot tougher than, than people think. I mean, yeah, booking an indie show, I would say, is, is easier. It, it's easy because pretty much any wrestler that has, you know, some friends to book a a wrestling show, an indie show can book a show, right? Right. Uh, to make it good though, the ones that are successful, that takes somebody a little bit smarter, but it's still not writing television. I mean, writing television is like it's 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 pretty tough, I'll tell you. Oh, that's that's my big dream now. My next goal. And I don't want you to dream. My next goal, and I'm slowly hitting my goals, you know, it, Getting the wrestling, doing a wrestling podcast now with you, James Ellsworth, managing that's coming up. I, it may be a colossal disaster. I don't care. I'm on cloud nine now. I want to move into maybe not. I just want to be an idea guy. Does more than a booker, an idea guy. I feel like I'm I'm great at throwing stuff out. Then two or three other people kind of juggle it, and it, it morphs into something different. But it started. You, does that make sense? Not, I guess so. But I do <laughs> want to tell you something because 
I do want to tell you something because this was something that was funny. This is so off topic. It just it came to my head when we were talking about booking and, and some things that you said. So we're sitting there, and Jimmy Jacobs, I guess in the one of the previous meetings I wasn't at, he uh, and then they brought it up again this meeting, and I had no idea what the, what this term was. I don't think anybody in the room knew what this term was until Jimmy Jacobs said it. And I guess for whatever reason, they were short on time, and they go, well, Jimmy's like, uh, just do a monsoon quarter carry. And we're like, a what? And he's like, guys, come on. Like At that point, let's just do a monsoon quarter carry, and then we'll move on with it, and we'll save those 30 seconds. And he's, we're like, a, a what? He's like, a monsoon quarter carry. You know, like a, a monsoon quarter carry. But he couldn't explain it, but he just kept saying it. And finally, they were like, uh, what the hell? is a monsoon quarter carry. So um, pretty much Gorilla Monsoon, right? Old uh, right. wrestler and then commentator, right? That area that you were in before you go out to the ring is called the Gorilla area, right? From Named after Gorilla Monsoon. Right. So the monsoon quarter carry would be where, you know when you come back from commercial and then the guy's already like halfway down the ring and his music's like 30 seconds. I already been playing for 30 seconds, and it comes back on the air with him like pretty much getting in the ring. Okay, yeah. That's a monsoon cord carry. So Gorilla Monsoon, you know, made it up when he was like, oh, we got to save 30 seconds in the show. So oh, we'll just cut off the first half of his entrance, and we call it a monsoon quarter carry. Um, so that was uh, something that I've learned. And then it was hilarious because when we're in the production meeting, they were like, all right, somebody say let's – we actually wrote it into the show. Uh, yeah, well, monsoon quarter carry him. And there's like – in these production meetings, there's like, I don't know, like a, a, a bunch of people, like 20, 25 people. And they're like, Petey, it's going to be your first day at the production meeting. So when somebody's like, hey, what's a monsoon quarter carry? And then they'll look around and say, what do you mean you guys don't know what a monsoon quarter carry is? Like, well, it's – Petey, it's your first day here, right? What's a monsoon quarter carry? And then I'd be able to explain it to make everybody seem like an idiot. Nah. When really nobody – so we said it in the meeting and everybody just nodded like, yep. Yep, but nobody knew what it was. <laughs> it was hilarious. And speaking of Jimmy Jacobs, before we get back to Backlash, he had a little yeah. Backlash uh, recently. And I'll tell you this. You know that right now Jimmy Jacobs is one of my favorite guys. I, I Oh, uh, mine too. Absolutely. I It's no no surprise. Yeah, I've, 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 been in, I've been in the room twice with him in the room. Both times I've been a little bit. I don't. I don't want to say I'm respectful of his time by not bugging him. Mm-hmm. Uh, first time was with you, and it was was it the Kobo show? Maybe. Um. Was it or was it? it either it was the Kobo. Diamond Diamondback or or something. No, that no. It was somewhere. Diamondbacks might have been the third time I no I, that might have been the first time I saw him was at Diamondbacks, and then when I went to Indianapolis to meet James, he was there, and I never want to be that guy that's like, hi, I'm PD Williams' friend, the tag along, so I don't bug him, but but he recently had some backlash. People on the internet were taking swipes at him for wrestling in a dress recently on TV. Um, it, unfortunately, it didn't bother me at all. It's part of the character who he is. He had to post on Facebook like, you know, this this is who I am. And he showed a picture of him dressed as like Axe or Smash. And then one hit a little, little Jimmy Jacobs in a dress. 
and then you know him from you know just recently i think it was on tv in a dress so it it doesn't bother me and i don't know why people in today's age would have a problem with that especially since he's not the first one to do it i don't remember hearing any backlash when perry saturn did it yeah i mean well yeah that that's true i and he wasn't – which TV show was he on? He might have been like on Twitch or, or something like it that. It might He's, have been one of those. I, I didn't see the yeah. TV show, but I did see him post about it and some backlash on Twitter, which – Yeah. Out of all – He the, does the zombie princess. Yes. That, that's what he is. the zombie princess. Because he always gets what he wants. Yeah, exactly. But – No, I mean it's totally fine. Out of, but go all, on. out of all the things that people want to get butthurt on the internet about, that that's it? Especially uh, wrestling-wise, and especially in today's day and age, I mean, I mean, I, are we even supposed to be talking about this? I mean, I like with all the political correctness. I mean, you know, you you can anybody can wear a dress nowadays, and you can't really say anything about it, right? I mean, if he wants to wear a dress, wear a dress. I mean, this is kind of like uh, dangerous waters we're we're treading in right now. But I mean, and it's a character. First off, I mean. You look at um, remember Rico yep. tried to marry Billy and Chuck. I mean, I come on! That. I mean th- that that was in a different age, you know, and, and time and stuff. You, you can't really. I mean, I guess you can do that stuff now, but you can't make fun of it like you did before. I agree. Um, but I don't know why he's getting the backlash for it. I mean, I thought people knew. Like, didn't didn't when I wrestled him, he wrestled in a dress. At Diamondback? I, I don't remember. I don't think so. Or maybe so. he didn't put it on. He didn't put it on from what I remember. But I was too busy raising your kids at that point. <laughs> oh, stop it. But thank you again for that. Um, <laughs> <laughs> You're welcome. Yeah. But, yeah, it's 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 really weird because, like, okay, you know how they do um, back in the day? And not even back in the day. We'll just say 10 years ago. Um, like a, a guy would play some sort of like, I don't even know what you want to call it, a, a feminine type character, we'll just say. And then he would do a kiss spot with another male. And what would the male do? He'd swipe it away and be like, you know, spit and be like, oh, that's gross kind of deal, right? You, you can't do that anymore. I mean, if you do that on TV, I mean, that's, that's, you're going to have so many people after you and stuff like that. But it used to be 10 years ago, it used to be a funny spot. And people used to react huge to it. So... I don't know. We just live in a different day and age, and um, I, I thought people knew that Jimmy did that. I just, I, I really did. I didn't know this was new, and when he posted it, people were like, "What? What's going on?" Like, uh, I, I got to read some of the comments because now I'm interested to see what people are saying. I think the best, and I'm nobody to talk about Jimmy Jacobs' life. The best thing, in my opinion, that happened to Jimmy Jacobs was him leaving the WWE. Um, hey, did you possibly? Here, I mean, Jimmy, okay, just being in the same room as Jimmy, Jimmy's, like, so smart, like, unbelievably, like, he, I, I, I can't even keep up with his his train of thought and, like, how he processes stuff and then uh, get something so quick and then just knows the storyline. He's just, he, he's on another level. So, And I don't know if it's, like, from the years he was working in WWE, but he was also, like, he, he's also been brilliant like that when he was working for Ring of Honor. His whole, like, pretty much his whole wrestling career, he's always had that 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 wrestling mind. And you know, maybe it is the best thing that's ever happened for him. Um, 
but you know, maybe not. Who who, who knows, right? Who knows where he would have been if he if he didn't stop working for WWE? Like, would he have been in a higher writer spot? Who knows? But you know, it, it seems like he's doing pretty well without him. I know more about him now than I did before WWE, and of course, my knowledge of wrestling grow has grown. Uh, Big time from when we first started hanging out because I was one of those WWE only guys. And I might have had a rudimentary knowledge of the independence uh, just a little bit. But outside the WWE, I didn't have much knowledge because I was a WW, WCW guy too. So I'll lump that in together. But now my knowledge is has grown so much that I feel like I go and Google and read and look up older stuff that these guys popping onto my radar have done. Yeah. And I mean, and that's just like, we were the one conversation. I don't know if you remember this, that we were having the other day, you were asking about, uh, uh, like working in other, uh, you know, countries and stuff like that for different types of, you know, like the psychology and stuff. And do I, you, I remember you asked, you're like, Hey, do you switch up your matches and how you do things when you work in different countries? Remember nice, asking that? Nice segue. I do. <laughs> okay. So, um, like, for example, in Japan, uh, and this just goes to show when people just watch WWE, like, there, there's so much more out there. Like, for example, when I started working over in Japan, um, well, bef- before I get to that, working over here, what would I usually do? Like, when I hit the Canadian Destroyer, the guy might have me, like, rocking and reeling and whatever i dipsy doodle out of something to hit the canadian destroyer out of nowhere kind of like when they say you know the rko out of nowhere right and and that'd be it one two three right and in japan i would use the same psychology over there and say yeah you know you're, you're hitting me with this whatever whatever and then i'll duck out of this and then hit you with the canadian destroyer and they're like oh no you can't do that like that's what the japanese guys would say mm-hmm. and i'm like whoa, whoa why not i've been doing it for many years and they're like because, you know, like, it's not strong enough. And I'm like, what? I felt insulted. Like, what do you mean it's not strong enough? Like, it's the Canadian destroyer. Best move ever, right? And But what they meant was, in Japan, if you ever watch it, you know, usually you hit some sort – like, the best way to, to describe it to somebody that's very Americanized would be Goldberg's spear and then jackhammer. So he hits a move – and then he hits another move before he pins him, pretty much. So that, that's kind of like how they do it in Japan. Like they would want you to hit some sort of move or two, and then you hit your finishing move, or maybe you uh, hit a move and then hit your finishing move, and then maybe the guy kicks out, and then you just pick him up and hit him again, and then this time, you know, it uh, it, it finishes him. Like it took two of them to to finish him, pretty much. It's almost like that fighting spirit they have over there, and. With the crowds and stuff, uh, like they get that, and they don't like. It's really weird with Japanese crowds and American crowds. They're just if you're watching it on TV, you'd be like, "Man, why are these Japanese crowds? Why are they so silent?" And it's not that they're being silent and bored or disrespectful or anything. They're actually like intently watching you wrestle to fight, pretty much. Like if you watch a UFC, like match or whatever guys aren't like it's it's kind of quiet and then when something happens like a, a guy gets like a good hit or whatever the case may be you might hear the crowd go oh it's the same thing in japan if something happens the crowd will be like oh and then you know do the like cheer or whatever the case may be there's not a lot of heckling like telling like them to like 
you know, me being Canadian, having a Canadian flag, they don't say, go back to your country where you came from. They don't say any, anything like that. That's, that's not a thing in Japan. So they're very just respectful and they watch intently and that's just the way they do things. Over here in the U.S., like, you know, what, what do you do? You go to a ball game of, of any sort, like any sporting event, whatever the case may be, there's always a guy sitting behind you that's been drinking saying that, oh, you know, like, hey, Matthew Stafford, go back to Georgia, you bum, like all that kind of stuff. Like it's the same thing in wrestling. It's just it's a different culture, and you know everything's different pretty much. Working in Impact, and Impact's open door policy with other organizations, uh, Lucha, mm-hmm. AAA. I don't know if you guys are working with any J- Japanese organizations, but you've probably seen it in your time. How hard is it to put a match together if one guy's American or one guy's Canadian, the other guy's you know, from Japan and they both have different styles of putting matches together. How do you compromise? Who do you guys go by seniority gets the overrule on the structure of the match? Um, you, so that's like communicating is actually easier than you think. Um, like the actual wrestling part itself. Like if I can, if I have a, a totally non English speaking person that I'm wrestling against, I cannot have a conversation with them like you and I are having, but I can put together a wrestling match because we've all seen wrestling and it doesn't, you can watch a Japanese wrestling match right now and know the moves that's happening and what's going on, but not understand the commentary. So it's the same thing. Like wrestling is almost like a universal language where, and I've done that. Like I've put together matches with people that speak no English and, you know, if the, they'll look kind of point or whatever, pantomime what they're doing, they're like, oh, okay, I get it, I understand. So it, it's it's not as hard as you think. It's just calling an audible in the ring. Now that's tough. You almost have to go with the with the program no matter what because it's going to be hard to call an audible because you guys don't speak the same, same language. Now as for the structure of the match, because it is way different, like, like in uh, – like luchadors, phenomenal athletes, but I don't – I don't like their storytelling in their matches because it'll be like there's no hot tags. It's really weird. Like there might be like heat on a heel or heat on a baby face, but then the baby face will like somehow get like, let's say a tilt world backbreaker in and then just walk over to his corner and tag out. And then the other guy will start coming in and doing moves. I'm like, there's, there's no drama in that. The baby face was not in any sort of trouble. It seems like, so it's just, it's weird like that. So it's pretty much, I would say, universal, like universally known. If whatever country you're in or whatever organization you're in, you're going to kind of wrestle that style. So, for example, we've had some guys, some luchadors um, that I've wrestled many times in Impact. You know, they want to do things a certain way, and it's like, well, you know, that doesn't make sense over here. They won't understand. And, And I don't think they take offense to it when we say that. We just don't want them to be like, you know, our fans, like the American fans won't understand that. That's not how we do things over here. Just like when I went over to Japan and that guy said like, no, 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 you can't do your move like that, PD, because the fans won't understand that. That won't make sense to them. So it makes sense in the U.S., but it doesn't make sense in Japan. So I'm like, okay, you got to kind of like switch your style, not your style, but like the structure of it so that the fans that you're working in front of understand what you're doing. All right. Do you, hey, do you want to see something funny? See? I don't know if I could see anything. Do you want to hear something funny? 
I would love to hear something funny. Hey, do we have anything else about backlash we should talk about? <laughs> we we weren't even <laughs> talked about backlash, were we? <laughs> we started with backlash. I think we got through Roman. Um, I I, AJ. I think, no. I think you said how should we book Roman Reigns, and I didn't even answer that. No, well, I think no, I think you did. I think we 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 talked about the nut shots, and then went into this. Um. Yeah. No. I. So okay. Just let me tell you my problem with Roman Reigns. Because okay. I don't even think I told you that from the first question. Wow. I thought I'd bring it um, back home. Yeah. So here, here's the problem with Roman Reigns. Um, you know, turning him heel, I mean, I think that's the only way to go now. I was always against it. But he already is a heel pretty much. So I'd say keep keep booking him like you're booking him. Just start putting him up against baby faces. And if you look at how people get over and I, I think people can relate to certain wrestlers because it almost reflects on their own life, right? Like, so you look at Stone Cold, his popularity. I don't think they expected him to be as big as a babyface as as they thought. Like, they they were booking him as a heel. You know, he was, you know, a foul mouth, um, telling his boss to like, you know, giving him the middle finger and stuff like that, beating the crap out of his boss, all that kind of stuff. I think the the average Joe would love to just go up and slap their boss, right? So I mean that that gets him over. You look at somebody like Daniel Bryan, and I think everybody, in some shape or form, can relate to Daniel Bryan's story. Like we, we kind of know what we read on the internet, like the behind the scenes stuff, like a little bit. Like at the time when Daniel Bryan was getting his push, they didn't want to push him. It seems like they wanted Batista in that main event, and he was kind of, you know, held down. And all that kind of stuff. And he's like the underdog being held down. And no matter how much the fans cheered, you know, they didn't book him the right way. And the fans hated it. Because in real life, like, you know, people at work, they always feel like, man, I'm being held down. You know, I went for that promotion and I didn't get it because so-and-so doesn't like me or, you know, I'm too small. And I, I even relate to it, too. Like when I first talked on the phone with Scott Demore. You know, to try to get into a school, he said, how much, how tall are you? I'm like, oh, five foot nothing. How much do you weigh a hundred nothing? Well, you can't, you can't get taller. So you you stop growing. So you got to put on some size. So, and he hasn't even met me yet. So I've already was like pushed down into the side and I'm like, oh man, you know, I'm, I'm not going to make it because I'm too small and stuff like that. You always feel like that. So that's why I feel like Daniel, like people can relate to Daniel Bryan because they've been in that situation before where they were the underdog that nobody wanted to you know get behind and all that kind of stuff so with roman reigns i mean roman reigns is like if you look at him how he you know presents himself how he carries himself how he talks everything that was the typical jock in high school and i don't know like anybody that was like had sympathy for like that that typical jock like it wasn't like oh man i need to cheer for that guy because no usually those were the guys that were the bullies at school and stuff like that so nobody, nobody can really relate to Roman Reigns. And that's the problem with making him a, a babyface. It, it doesn't work. It only works if he's with the Shield. But look at what you've done to his other Shield members since they left. They all have theme music and they both have different move sets now. Uh, I don't yep. know if you could really say Ambrose has gone through a image tra- change a little bit. But he's had some different shirts and whatnot. You know, he's had some different attitudes as as it goes towards his character. Uh, Rollins has had overhauls in, in everything. 
So, too bad Roman Reigns was the only one that nothing changed. He got stuck with that shield look, feel, nothing changed, and I think that's what held him back. Now that's a, that's a possibility. I mean, a shot in the dark, this is what they should do. And this is how they they, – because it seems like people want to see the shield. They want to see, like, you know, the actual group. Like, that's the only time Roman was getting cheered pretty much. So what if you put Roman Reigns in a suit and tie, you know, with some glass on or something, maybe his hair, like, all done nice and stuff, and then he was, like, a corporate stooge for the longest time, and people boo the crap out of him. And, like, you know, that carries on for months. And then the minute he rips off that suit and takes down his hair and takes off the glasses, and he has, like, you know, his old Roman Reigns gear on – then maybe people might cheer. I'm just saying. So sometimes you have to get away from what you're currently doing now so that when you bring it back later, people are like, yes, you know what? I did like that. Because the Shield, I mean, they were pretty much just getting hot when they separated them. Mm -hmm. And then when they made the return, then they were like super hot. They were more over than the first time. So it's almost like you have to like, totally do something different with Roman Reigns and let the fans hate it. And then him go, you know, this ain't working. And he goes back to his regular self. Then maybe fans might cheer that. Cause they're like, yeah, you know what? Maybe I did like that guy. I mean, who knows? I mean, I'm trying to shoot in the dark. Cause it seems like whatever they're doing, is not working. And I think just making them, making them heal. Like, I mean, I think the best booking scenario would be for, you, somehow he get the the title, and then he wrestled Daniel Bryan at WrestleMania and let you know ha- have that match, and he play the heel and Daniel Bryan play the babyface. I would say that's that's probably the best scenario that WWE can have. I disagree. Okay, I, I don't want him to beat Brock Lesnar. Uh, as we said several podcasts ago. Roman Reigns, at like Hulk Hogan, needs that one guy, which was the ultimate warrior that he just couldn't beat. You throw out the one time in WCW. I'm okay with Roman Reigns not being able to beat Brock Lesnar. I think you put him with AJ Styles, where AJ can get an amazing match out of anybody. And he almost, well, it didn't make Big, La- Big Cass look good during Backlash, but he could almost get a good match out of anybody and if you're going to highlight Roman Reigns as a heel and I get that they're both on different shows there are ways you can write around that you yeah. I would want to put him with one of the top guys that makes him look so much better so are you saying put him with AJ yes see and remember when AJ first got there and uh he started Roman Reigns as a champion and they had like two, maybe three pay-per-views against each other mm-hmm. matches, and they were like some of Roman Reigns' best matches ever. Like they were, they were great. So I agree with you on that. Like I mean, uh, I'm just trying to do something different that the people really haven't seen before. But that's been and, so you know, long ago, people have forgotten about that. I forgot when you just yeah. mentioned. I go, oh yeah, that's happened. No, I I remember before AJ won his first title, that was just like. He was trying for it, and I want to say, how did Roman lose it? Um, oh, I can't remember. But AJ won his first title off Dean Ambrose, mm-hmm. so man, I'd I'd have to go back now, and it's only been like two years too, and I can't even remember. Wow. All right, let's wrap oh, this. Well. Let's wrap this up and send this home. 
Uh, PD, we got a lot of promoting we have to do. Uh, guys, anyone who downloads, we, as we say many times on Facebook or Twitter, shout this podcast from the mountaintops. Tell a friend, get on any social media platform that you are on. I don't care if it's Friendster, MySpace, or even Grinder. Get on there and tell your friends about our podcast. That's how we grow. It's not a secret. It's okay. You can let anyone you want know. Uh, here in another week or so, we're going to start giving away these pictures. Uh, PD, why don't you tell them about the autographs? Yeah, so we have uh, some autographed pictures of myself. I'm sure you got some of James as well. I do. Yeah, so we're going to do uh, some contests that we'll come up with. And, uh, yeah, the lucky winner will send you uh, autographed 8x10. They're, yeah, they're the official uh, impact ones too. So, I mean, professional you know, photographs and stuff like that. And, uh, yeah, usually they, they have some pretty big value to them, but we're giving them away for free. And the cool thing about these pictures are they're personalized for the podcast. It's thank you for listening to the Wrestling Perspective or in James's case, and you can find it on the same feed as you're listening to this on, the Dugcast with James Ellsworth. They both kind of thank the fans for listening to the podcast. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, if the, we wouldn't have a podcast if we didn't have listeners to listen to the podcast. So we're really, really appreciative of, uh, of everybody's support. And so what we're pushing right now, we just started a YouTube page. If you go over to wrestling perspective, what we do is we are throwing the podcast up there. And then I think we'll do some videos. Uh, I'm going to do, try to do some pay-per-view recap stuff. Yeah. We're going to try to do some different stuff over there. So go look up Wrestling Perspective. Subscribe to that channel feed. Uh, our Facebook page, Wrestling Perspective, if you go over there, uh, you know, the podcast links are always there. You will get a heavy dose of uh, a, a bunch of good guys that are running the page. I'm sure Steve, Russ, uh, they'll be doing some content. I'm actually going out with Russ to, or Steve tomorrow and I'm going to talk him up about doing some uh, some Facebook Lives after Raw or SmackDown because he watches them live. So we are trying to put together a pretty good community with you, the fans, uh, driving uh, conversation on both these podcasts. So we, we really need you guys to, to subscribe and like and go over to the Facebook page and PD, the website too, WrestlingPerspectivePodcast.com. That's where all the links are to everything. If you if you listen to your podcast there, there's probably a link there. If not, you can Google it. Awesome. <laughs> I don't know what else that you said everything, man. I mean, I'm trying to think. I'm like, what did he miss? Nope, that's not Dennis. He doesn't miss anything. You know, I'm the master of uh, promotion. <laughs> I guess so, man. You're going to be a great manager on May 19th. I'll tell you that. Yeah, you know, if once we find out what we're doing. Oh, can I tell you my idea real quick? Yeah. So, you know, I'm, I think I've been teasing telling you this, but I'm thinking that the only way it works is if I'm a bad guy and I'm like a fake rich guy, right? I mean, that's the typical easy to pull off uh, plan A manager type, right? Right. So I'm not going to wear a suit, but I'm going to wear the second douchiest thing ever, a sweater vest. Okay. Yeah. 
Yeah. So you're like country club rich, right? I, I that's what that's what I'm going for because any anyone can wear a suit as a manager. I think everybody wears one, but you don't see that many sweater vests when it comes to managers, and that's just as douchey, right? Yeah, and like maybe we have that collared shirt, long sleeve, like button up collar yep. shirt underneath, possibly. Maybe sleeves rolled up, like a little bit halfway up, like you know, cuffed there. It's kind of yeah, what I, I do, I anyways. Can... Yeah, and then get some like, oh, you should do something with shoes though. Your shoes should be hideous. Like people are like, man, what's he wearing on his feet? You think? You know, because I, I was going full out shoe, and I've got this nice watch I'm gonna wear that really, you know, that really sells it. But here's the thing. I'm not going to talk to the crowd. I'm going to get into that ring. If they give me the time, which we don't know what I'm doing. I may not even be there. They may be like, hey, will you go serve popcorn at the stand? That's your manager job. I don't know. But if they're going to give me a a few minutes to play around and have some fun, I'm not even going to acknowledge the crowd. Like, I'm, I may get in and send a text. I may make a fake phone call, but just kind of have the mic by my face like it's just resting there. But I'm going to ignore the crowd. You should do like a Sudoku puzzle too. Do rich people do Sudoku? I don't even I don't know, know what that is, but that sounds fun. <laughs> you don't know? Okay. All right. I sorry. do. I do. So yeah, maybe do a Sudoku. Okay. All right. But yeah, I, I want to come out with a newspaper. But I'm, I think the best way to get a blue-collared working crowd all riled up is by not even giving them the time of day. Yeah, or you, you should have a bunch of gold rings too and stuff like that. Oh, you sh- you probably should talk about how rich you are if you're going to play a rich character. Absolutely. I mean, that's going to be first and foremost. I, I'll have someone have my private jet all gassed up and ready to go. There you go. So See, now you're thinking. Yeah. Now so, you're thinking. So I, I want to throw that at you. I mean, I'd play with it. See, I, I mean, it would be awesome if like, the guy that you were managing, his name was like Gutter or something, and he was like a homeless guy or whatever the case may be. Then how are you going to explain like, oh, that's even more heat because then you're super rich. You're not even giving this guy any – you're taking all his money. That puts like sympathy on him. I'm at, hold on. I don't know what work. I have too many thoughts in my head right now. Well, what – here's another You would thing. need another rich person to be your, your, your wrestler. I don't because here's what I'm thinking. If if they're just throwing three people together, which happens at a lot of indie shows, yeah. uh, I'm paying some street thug or ruffian a a sum of money to rough up wrestler B over there because he has owed me money or he's wronged me or something or you know he's dating my oh, I'm not old enough to have a country club daughter but man well, maybe I am I'm forty so. If I had a kid at 20, my kid would be yeah. so 20. So maybe I am older. Holy God, Jesus, I am. Yeah. No, maybe your your kid's 18. Okay. Oh, but that puts sympathy on you as a dad. But, but no, I like where you're going with that. That's a little bit better than because people can relate to that. Yeah. Oh, a hill that they can relate to. I would be the douchiest version of Stone Cold Steve Austin around. <laughs> <laughs> all right let's end this all right guys wrestling perspective podcast.com look for the duck cast 
I get itchy fingers when it comes to these things, so who knows when this drops. You make it an early podcast this week. Christmas has come early, PD. Oh, man. Happy Memorial Day early. <laughs> Happy Victoria Day in Canada, I should say. All right. Happy Mother's Day. Yes. All the days are coming up in May. Happy everything. We'll talk to you guys next week. Petey, I'm out. All right. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.